0: When it comes to eating well, sometimes it feels like it's a guessing game. Even if something looks good for me, the label is usually full of mystery ingredients. Who's got time for that? Not me. That's why I love Daily Harvest. They say no to weird ingredients, fillers, seed oils, added sugars, and even gluten if that's something you avoid. So all I have to do is say yes to delicious, easy to prep options that never leave me wondering what's really in my food. They deliver delicious options such as smoothies, harvest bowls, soups, and my new favorite, their bites that are built on organic fruits and vegetables straight to my door. Thanks to Daily Harvest, I always have something convenient in my freezer, especially on a really busy day. Take the guessing out of eating well and try Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com ifstories. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 287 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Vicki Jameson. Vicki lives in Taft, Texas, where she is now a retired software engineer. After she lost her job in 2017, after 19 years on the job, took her a few months to realize she didn't want to go back, and she was loving being retired. And I can attest to that too, Vicki. I've been retired from teaching since 2018, and it feels really good to spend my time doing what I want to do. So welcome, Vicki.
1: Thank you. I've been listening to you since you retired.
0: Wow. Well, you know, I'm not retired from working. I'm working really hard, but in a way that once your time is your own, it feels really different than when you're working at a job where you have to go there. Right. So, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting
1: and when was that? I will never forget because it was really important to me. We had been at a wedding in Magnolia, Texas on September the 9th, 2018. And my husband and I were driving back Home from there. And we were listening to another podcast that was Be awesome 365. I've always been real reliant on podcasts for health. And the guy that does that is actually a chiropractor. And he mentioned intermittent fasting. So my husband and I finished the podcast, and then we started talking about it. And I was like, Oh, God, I could never. (laughs) That sounds so hard. I could never do that. So my husband said, Well, you know, it really wouldn't be all that difficult. And he said, because you sleep eight to 10 hours. And I was like, okay. So, and when you stop eating at night, you count those in. So it just sounded easier. And so that was September 9th, September the 11th. I went onto Amazon and ordered Delay Don't Deny. I had done just a research there. And out of Delay Don't Deny, I picked 5-2. I don't know why, because I guess I thought I could do two days a week, but that's all so I went with 5'2", and I immediately gained weight. So I'm like, oh, God, it's not going to work. <laughs> I get it. I 19'5". So I did 19'5 for a long time. I'm about 5'9", and I weighed 189 when this all started. Long story short, I lost about 35 pounds up to Christmas from September, and then my body settled in at about 145, and it's been there ever since.
0: Wow. So how many months did it take you to go from 189 to 145?
1: Probably, I, I really think was close to six months. Like, there, it was wow. six months. I really stuck with the five and 19. I'm a tennis player, and so I had to adjust my schedule to make up for playing tennis. And so we play tennis either 6.30 or 8 o'clock every Thursday night. So I had to be able to have the time for my window to be after tennis so that we could all get together and drink and eat. So that was my first working it into my lifestyle. And I was very militant about it for a long time. I also played tennis on Tuesdays. which is like two hours in the morning and have lunch with the girls afterward. And so when I first started, I was like, I can't eat, I can't eat till you know five or whatever. And now I'll say that flexibility, I go, I just got back from lunch on Tuesday. Then I heard you say on the podcast the other day that you try to stay with your window, but inevitably it's eight o'clock, which is my usual stopping time now, because my regular window is four to eight. And so I... Pretty much make fasting fit my lifestyle, but I I can't gain weight. I don't I don't gain weight. I don't whatever I do, my weight just hangs.
0: I love that. That's the best thing. That knowing that you're you're no longer struggling. So you lost that weight. You lost, what was that, 40, 44 pounds over six months, which is amazing. And then your body's just kind of hung out there. I want to go back a bit and let's talk about when you first started and you started 5'2". And, you know, it's funny. When I wrote delayed on Deny, I mean, it was so long ago, you know, I had – guided very few people through intermittent fasting. I was just basically writing everything that we knew at the time or everything that I knew at the time. It was 2016. I'd barely gotten to my goal weight. I'd been there for about a year at that point, but I never would have suggested start with 5'2". So... (laughs) Well, it's funny. Just, you know, now I understand so much more. And of course, in fast, feast, repeat, I have the 28-day fast start because we now know you're, you're building up your fasting muscle. We understand why. When I wrote Delay Don't Deny, I didn't even understand intermittent fasting the way that I understand it now. So it's just really funny.
1: Psychologically, the 5-2 for me was I could go the two days. You know, I picked like Tuesday and Friday, I think. And those two days were not a problem. The the 24-hour was not a problem. But that idea, and I've been at a diet mentality. I had three bookshelves full of diet books. I was never obese, obese, but I was always, like, lots of stomach fat and never really proud of my body at that point. And 189 is a lot. I mean, that was probably close to baby weight. I was, like, 135 in high school, so... It's not, like I said, I wasn't huge, but I was huge enough that I was never happy. Right. It didn't feel good. It never felt good.
0: And I bet it was hard to play tennis also when you were 189.
1: Well, you know, I didn't really know the difference because I didn't learn to play tennis until I was 40, and so I'd always played heavy. It did, I mean, body composition is the most amazing thing that I really have ever understood about science. Mindset and body composition are two huge things that intermittent fasting has changed for me forever. But my body, I don't ever remember my body looking the way it looks now, ever. I was never- That's fabulous. In the way my thighs were, it was just- I had belly fat. My mom had belly fat. My grandmother had belly fat. And we all just thought, that's the way you go. You get belly fat. And I thought I would always have belly fat. And to actually re, I had worked my buns off to weigh 155 in my life. And then on our 25th wedding anniversary, we went to Cancun and I took a drug called Metabomax, which was a ephedra. And I couldn't even pick up the phone. It made me jitter so bad. And I would get cramps in my calves because I was just dehydrated, I'm sure. But I lost my appetite and just lost the weight. So I got down to one size and I went on our vacation. But I had bought a bathing suit for that vacation. And I was starving going on that vacation. Came back, put it all back on, obviously, since I weighed 189. So I've been married 47 years. So 25 years was... A while back. I don't do the math well. Right. It's been a while since that. And I bought a bathing suit for that, which I now can wear always.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I totally get the the struggle and the diet pills. I went through that whole thing. You've heard me talk about it before, but you know you're starving, but yet you don't want to eat because they take away the appetite. But your body is like, <laughs> it's just, it's not a, a good way to lose the weight at all. But I want to talk about the belly fat then, because you you're the women in your family carried their weight around their midsection. Is that what you would say?
1: Yes, absolutely, it was always. And I don't have great posture. And I don't know now, I do a lot of yoga now. And so I know it's important to stand up and use your core, but definitely there's still belly fat that I have. There's still a pooch there, but it's more wrinkly baggy than it is. It used to just be bloated, a bloated belt. I get it.
0: So you can really tell by your waist measurement, you know, your waist circumference I'm sure has gone down a lot. So that's really exciting because we know that our waist circumference tells us a lot about our overall health yeah. smaller waist healthier
1: i'm not a good measure but i live by the scale which i know is right totally different but the scale that it's okay
0: you know you said that like it was like something to be ashamed of and it is not because i want to let everybody know that it is not wrong to weigh it's actually i wish i felt healthy mentally with getting on a scale and not
1: letting it upset
0: me that would be probably ideal
1: it- my boundary I can see. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have honesty pants because I don't wear anything tight around my waist because it just bugs me so bad. So and honestly, since I started this, I have not had anything to bind me. I mean, my clothes fit. They just my body isn't changing anymore, and I don't know if that's because I don't gain weight or and I eat. I know that you can't eat everything you want to eat all the time and stay thin. I know that. But I do a pretty good job of eating what I want.
0: (laughs) Right. Have you found that what you want has changed? Or is it still just the same?
1: The biggest thing that's changed is that I quit drinking. Okay. Yeah, I gave up alcohol because intermittent fasting really showed me and I'm I'm re-listening to the Appetite Correction book because there was some things I wanted to re-hear about that. But just the idea that it's not willpower. We grew up on the idea that the reason you were fat is because you had no willpower. And that is so wrong. That is just wrong. our science and understanding of science makes the difference. Yep.
0: That's exactly right. I was I'm working on a new book that's due in I don't know, like three weeks. <laughs> I'll be sharing more about that as that goes. But I just wrote a section today where I talked about willpower and, you know, how we always heard about calories in, calories out. As this formula, but the longer we do those low calorie diets, the ones we used to do in the past, our body sends us a signal to eat more and more and more. And it also lowers our metabolic rate. So, calories in, well, our bodies are trying to get us to eat more. So now we're like binging because we're starving. Our body is making us do it. And then calories out gets lowered because our metabolic rate is lowered to go along with our low calorie diet. So we kind of lose out on both sides of the equation, and it's our body trying to keep us alive. And that's the part, once you really understand that, you realize it was never about your willpower because you really cannot, you, you know, outwill your body. Like, try to hold your breath. You, you're Eventually, you'll start breathing again.
1: Well, being a software engineer, I live and die by logic. And the logic is that if you got on a treadmill and you just, cranked it out for an hour and you did 500 calories and then you pulled up little my little fitness pal and put in how much food you ate you ain't ever going to catch up it's just the whole calories in calories out just falls completely apart but the the learning about insulin and spiking and all of that was critical and my husband when I first started was like oh no no I have to eat and so he would eat lunch at noon and then he would eat all evening. And he's a snacker. And then I started losing weight, losing weight. And he was like, Okay, well, that's not fair. So then he started. Asking with me, and now he went and had his A1C checked. It wasn't his insulin, but his A1C. And it was scary. So he got a little more serious. Well, now he avoids all added sugar. So it's made us all aware of what we're putting in our body more than ever.
0: Are you tired of feeling tired? Are you someone who hits snooze and then slams your head straight back on the pillow? Magnesium Breakthrough is an all-natural supplement that helps you sleep more peacefully and wake up feeling refreshed. Magnesium Breakthrough is the only magnesium supplement on the market that contains the optimal ratio of all seven essential types of magnesium. So if you want to feel more energized and get the best night's sleep you've had in forever... Check out buyoptimizers.com slash ifstories. In addition to the discount you get by using the promo code ifstories10, you can get free gifts with your purchase, up to two travel-size bottles of Magnesium Breakthrough, and who does not love something free? Act fast. This is a limited-time offer. Go now to buyoptimizers.com slash ifstories, and don't forget to use the promo code ifstories10. You'll be amazed at how much better you feel by taking Magnesium Breakthrough. It's when you have those tests and you realize, hmm, because he's been fasting, but his A1C was still really high. So clearly what he was putting in was not helping with that. And, you know, I'm I'm about to put on a CGM again and a, a continuous glucose monitor. And just having that knowledge, that information, not in a like diety kind of a way, but in a knowledge-is-power kind of way. Because his high A1C, he knew that was leading him down a path towards you know, worse health outcomes. So he's stopped with added sugar. Has that been the only other change that he's made?
1: Yeah, pretty much. But he's adamant about it. Like he makes his own cookies and and uses honey or syrup or whatever, instead of uh, refined sugar. We listened to Why We Get Sick by Bickman. Bickman, yep. That made a huge, huge impact on him because he could see many of the symptoms in his own life. So we've really gone down this path together and we've vacationed and we take our own little picnic and stop wherever it is to have our window. And so it really is our lifestyle forever.
0: I love that y'all are doing it together because I think that makes such a difference. And, you know, he, he had to come to it in his own way and figure out what was
1: his motivation. We all have to find our why. Did he ever struggle with his weight? He was always thin, always thinner than me. Like I couldn't put my big toe in his blue jeans when we married, but he had gotten a little thoroughly and both of us were big drinkers up until I quit drinking and would go and drink craft beers. That was so much fun. Go to the brewery and drink a beer. And you know, the amount of calories that you're consuming with beer is just crazy, not to mention the carbs themselves. So he has, He's drinking a really low-carb beer now just so he drinks something and he totally like I am. But he certainly has changed his ways about that. And none of us in my entire family eat fast food. No, nobody eats fast food. Have you always not eaten fast food or is that new? Within the last five years, for sure. Um, well, it's just not that good, is not it? not good. It's a waste of money and time. And now we're so conscious, health conscious of what we eat and living on the farm, we have our own meat. We, you know, hunted meat, deer and pig. And my daughter is a gardener. And so we grow gardens. Oh, I love that. And uh, if anybody wants to look up the page, it's Freedom Harvest Farms in Taft, Texas.
0: Oh, so y'all actually, y'all actually raise yes. food then you sell it to us. So you're, far, you're like legit farmers. Yes. You're not just like hobby farmers feeding yourself.
1: No, we're hobby farmers to the extent that my husband and I are and we told her she had to take care of all the really big responsibilities, but, um, we are definitely, she, we put on farm to table events and she raises serious produce and supplies restaurants and that sort of thing. So it's pretty legit. Oh, that sounds awesome.
0: What, what kind of things do you grow?
1: She does a little bit of everything, but South Texas allows for two huge seasons so we've got some winter vegetables, the, the greens, but tomatoes, corn, peas, beans, and squash in the summer. But pretty much, she just harvested sweet potatoes the other day, do beets and a little bit of
0: everything. Oh, I'm so envious because there's nothing better than fresh food that you just grew right there and you bring it in, you know where it came from. And my
1: uh, grandson, who's seven, just killed his first animal this weekend. He killed a hog. And so we... Butchered the hog and put it in the freezer. And you know, people who have never
0: been to one of those events, it's it's funny that you mentioned it. He said, "He How old is he? Six? Seven. He just turned seven. Okay. I remember being around that age and we had just moved to the mountains of Virginia. And we lived in a very rural area in the mountains of Virginia. And our neighbors like the whole neighborhood now this is a rural area so you know what i mean by neighborhood let's this mountain road and people live on the mountain road but the neighbors got together at somebody's in their in their field and they butchered a hog and i can remember being there and then yeah, after they butchered the hog they went and they we went to the, one of the neighbors' houses and they made chitlins with it. You know about chitlins, I'm sure. I did not eat any chitlins. For people who don't, that's hog intestines, but it was quite a delicacy. I know my mom and my stepfather, they participated in eating the chitlins. I did not. But, you know, they all worked together and they, it was like everybody shared that hog together. And, you know, I know there are people listening who may be vegetarians or vegan and they don't eat meat at all. But for the rest of, of us who do eat meat, you know, it's something powerful about realizing where your food comes
1: from. And I love that your grandson is getting that connection. Right. Yeah, My daughter lives on the property with us, but we have 10 acres here and she lives right next door. And so we commune a lot of things and she's the gardener and I'm the processor. So I can and ferment and I've recently in the past year learned to do sourdough bread and we're kind of preppy. We we're kind of get you know. I don't even want to mention all the other things we've done to prepare for the apocalypse. But
0: <laughs> uh, You're ready. You've got it all. You're on your farm. You're self contained. We are going to, if anything bad happens here, I'm just going to have to learn how to like, grab fish out of the ocean with my hands because we are not prepared at all. <laughs>
1: <It is. laughs> no. My son's a fisherman. We always have fish. We, we are
0: prepared. We are good to go. We eat off the lake. Well, I am not a fisherman. So the irony would be I would be eating fish to live because that's all there would be but I would not like it, but I guess you would like what there was, right? right. I'm just going to rely on my intermittent fasting to get me through it. <laughs> well, I, I love the sound of that and the, the fact that you're – how
1: many grandchildren do you have? I have three. Well, okay, I have five. Uh, my daughter has a significant other that has two. So I, my oldest grandson will be graduating from Texas A&M University this May. And then I have another grandson that'll be graduating the December after. And then I have a granddaughter who's seven, 18 and 17. And then this. I love that. But I, I love that the, the ones that are
0: close by are, are growing up on this farm next to you. And that just seems like a great life. Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, let's go back a ways. You know, you mentioned, you know, you had three bookshelves full of diet books. Let's talk about your diet history. How far back did you start really struggling with your weight? Because I know for me, I was always diet aware. It wasn't until I went to college and came back home freshman year that I started my first actual diet. But when did dieting start for you?
1: I got married in 1975, and I don't remember ever worrying about weight then. Then we were married two or three years and we drank a lot of beer because we were young and stupid. And uh, anyway, seems like just as life went on, it became a constant thing. I remember at one point in my life drinking Diet Seven Ups. That was the thing. I would drink Diet Seven Ups one after another, doing different, you know, I did all of, all of the book diets. I never, other than the Metabo Max, I didn't have any drugs or pills or. Injections to deal with, but always trying to figure out. And and it was always around health. Like this is a healthy lifestyle, so I'm going to change to that. But I never found anything that worked until I started nineteen and five, and that was. I love that. And when I first started, I would eat every single thing I wanted, ice cream, and and now I just don't. You were asking if I changed. I don't that stuff like I used to. I used to eat a lot of junk food. But recently, I've noticed myself wanting to snack, like snack foods, trail mix or whatever. And so that's the reason I was going back to read Appetite Correction, because I wanted to reinforce what it is that you do that triggers those nasty habits that caused you to get there in the first place. I do have always had Appetite Correction, and I can absolutely feel a difference in my body. That was one of the first things that was astounding to me was to feel organs. Like you can feel your organs in your body for the first time when you get rid of a lot of that. I know what you mean. (laughs)
0: that's true that's true so you know, you're know you talking about appetite correction the book by dr burt hearing and he's one of my very early influences from when i began which you know when you're going back through appetite correction now what's jumping out at you
1: any any aha moments or remembering things one of the things that i thought was super super important and of course i'm super aware of how influenced we are by the medical system and our advertising but is the the goal body talking about the in body, which is not goal body, your goal body and your ideal body. And I was just, I'm just driving home a little while ago. I was listening to that and I was thinking, you know, I, my goal body and my ideal body have merged at this point. I'm perfectly happy with what I am. For 66, I still play tennis four or five times a week. I go to hot yoga two days a week and hang out with the family the rest of the time. And my weight and my fitness has allowed me to do that. So I just feel good about when I look in the mirror, I like what I see. I am, I do have a little terror when I think of weight gain, of getting back where I can't control it again. But it's like I told somebody on the community the other day, you, I never say I fell off the wagon. I never say I can't. You know, I I I did wrong, I ate the wrong thing. I never say that. It's always about tomorrow's options because you have the freedom to choose. And a, a fast can be an hour, or a fast can be twenty hours, or a fast can be forty-eight hours, whatever you choose. But all of the failure talk never does me any good. Yeah.
0: And you know, I think the thing is, even if something happened. And we went down a weird road or something changed in our bodies and we gained back some weight. You're not going to gain it all back. And you've got all the tools now to understand what's happening. And that's the difference from the past, wouldn't you say?
1: Definitely. I started, you're such an influencer. <laughs> I started, <laughs> uh, Hormone replacement therapy recently. It's been about two months. And I've always been so against putting things in my body anything. I did get a vaccine, but I didn't want to. I went kicking and screaming to have that done. I don't like people to put things in my body. And so it was always very difficult for me to, now I lost my train of thought.
0: To take, you know, like the idea of taking hormone replacement therapy felt like putting something in,
1: right? And I do think there's a lot of misinformation. You know, you talked about that a lot. I think we kind of got the idea, oh, your breast cancer risk will go up or whatever. But My main goal in life is quality of life. Everything that I do, I don't go to the doctor because I don't want to know if I have cancer. I want to live my life, and if it's over, it's over. So quality of life is important. And I have found that I went to a very specialized uh, set of nurse practitioners that deal in hormone replacement, and they took profuse blood tests and, and touched everything and told me what I was deficit in. And I felt really comfortable with what they told me. Oh, and they were huge on intermittent fasting. By the way, the minute they walked in, the I love that I, they were like, "Oh, you have to intermittent fast." I'm like, "Oh no, do that." So we were good for that. They were they were recommending it without even knowing that you were doing it. Yes, love it. Yes, so that was fun because I got an A plus there. But I've never it has contributed to quality of life. It has definitely the HRT. Better, yep, yep, better sleep, better sex, better you know, just day in, day out. However, my weight has slipped about three pounds consistently. But again, even 145 to 150 is five pounds less than I ever accomplished before. And I'm 66 years old. I'm not going to be a model. You know, I'm okay with a body that just allows me to do the things that I want to do if I feel good. And I do feel good
0: that's really important. I actually after HRT, hormone replacement therapy, my waist got smaller again. So that was a good sign for me. But I totally share, you know, your your thoughts about not wanting unnecessary medication. And it's funny when you described, you know, not wanting to go to the doctor cuz you just don't want to know. That's how my mother is. My mother is completely like that and that's how she raised me. <laughs> Like I mean, my my mama was a hippie. Okay, I'm just gonna say it. We moved to the country in the <laughs> in the 70s. We grew up. We would have been on a commune probably if she'd have let us, but we didn't. But um, so I understand that. But she raised me to, to I don't know. I grew up not wanting you know to take medication unless I needed to. So I understand the reluctance for hormone replacement therapy. And my um my friend in OBGYN is the one who talked me into it. And it made such a difference. So, uh, you know, there's a time because we're just replacing the hormones that our body is supposed to have so that it will work optimally.
1: And it it has done exactly that. And somehow I think that they they do a really good job of regulating that because when I went back, you know, they had given me a certain amount. And the other thing I didn't know is that everybody, back to our bio-individuality, hormone replacement therapy is very individual. They have to test. They can't just hand you hormones and say, take these, because I had no testosterone and no estradiol. No way. Ditto. I was zero on that. Big And so they prescribed an amount. I came back in 30 days, and she said, you are absolutely in the range now. So they hit it right on.
0: Here's the way I liken it it when it comes to hormones. Like, let's say someone is type 1 diabetic, and their insulin, I mean, their pancreas no longer produces insulin. Nobody thinks twice about that person taking insulin shots, right? Their body doesn't produce the insulin that they need. They take insulin. Same thing with hormone replacement therapy. Our bodies, as we age, lose the ability to create these hormones, our, our you know, our estrogen, our progesterone, our testosterone. And so we're just replacing what our body is no longer making. So again, I'm not a hormone expert, but that's why I have friends who are and doctors who are.
1: Well, I, it has made a huge difference in my life. I feel really good. And I'm I'm glad I did it, for sure. I do know that um, there was some conversation about the synthetics versus bioidentical. And I'm old enough to have Medicare. And Medicare, the government will, of course, cover the synthetic, but not the bioidentical. Um, but I wouldn't put that in my body.
0: Yeah, I pushed for the, the bioidentical as well. I think that it matters. I mean, I just, I really think that it does. So if I have to pay a little more for it, then (laughs) luckily I'm able to, and I'm glad that you're able to as well, because that makes a difference. Now, before we started talking, you mentioned that there were a lot of books that had been instrumental in your journey, and you wanted to share some of those. So I would love to hear all of them. Take us down the rabbit hole of the
1: influential books. Well, like I said, I bought Delay Don't Deny first. Then I went and bought all of your books. And we're kind of hippie-ish here, so we've been clean around here forever. And so that was just a re-influence of that. But I read What Went In Wine and, obviously, The Power of Appetite Correction. But I I listened to both the Diabetes Code and the Obesity Code, just loved it, picked up unbelievable freedom, and really was in tune with the idea that I'd never been so free, that this, this child... This, style had had really helped me. And then the three books that I think are really good reading, one is Cured by Jeffrey Rediger. Have you read that? No, I've not heard of that one. It's called Cured. Cured. And it's a book about healing. And it's just a reinforcement that the body can heal itself. The body can heal itself. And he has all kinds of stories of people who had... Faith healing beliefs, people who changed emotions, you know, like got out of a bad marriage, or you know, estranged themselves from children. It just all kinds of different things. But it's a, it's really for anybody. I especially think anybody who is suffering with a disease like cancer, to hear that somebody thought their life was over and moved to Hawaii to live out their best days, but changed their diet in the meantime. And that was nine years ago. I mean, those just good stories and and just a belief in yourself and to understand that when we talk about autophagy and healing it's not just diet woo woo it's real it's that things
0: well we know that from books like Bruce Lipton's book The Biology of Belief and Joe Dispenza's book You Are the Placebo and breaking the habit of being yourself we know that our minds can do amazing things in our bodies and it's more than just, you know, having a positive mindset. It it's, it's goes a lot deeper than that. I mean, of course, you want to start with a positive mindset, but, you know, our, we can literally change our bodies.
1: Well, and then I told you that uh, Why We Get Sick, my husband and I both listened to that, and that's just important for anybody that's overweight, really. I mean, that book really speaks to you. If you are looking for motivation for why you need to change something, that book is great for that.
0: Because that whole book, Why We Get Sick, is all about how high levels of insulin, chronic hyperinsulinemia, or high levels of insulin are linked to, like, literally he
1: links it to, like, everything, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, my husband has a lot of skin tags, and uh, Mm -hmm. there was that conversation, like, that's one of the symptoms of the insulin resistance. And so it's fun to hear my husband share that story with other people as though he were an expert. You know, I love it. But well, he is. He knows more than the other person knew. <laughs> and then the last book that I read recently was um, This Naked Mind. And I read half of that and put it down and said, yeah, I'm sold. And, and that, was, that book is a lot about mindset and, and just looking at life the way it is. And I came from a very like tennis is really wrapped around let's play tennis and then let's go drink. We all talk about adult beverages and and my life really centered around alcohol, but it was making me sick. And one thing intermittent fasting has taught me is that there you can feel better, but you have to understand your body. And everybody's body is so different that you really get to a point where you drinking doesn't feel good. And it was making me sick, sick, like throw up sick and It was ruining vacations, and I would say things that I wasn't proud of, and I just made up my mind that that had to stop. And it's been, you know, started out with the alternative, I'll drink a Heineken Zero Zero or have a fake, you know, tequila or whatever. Now I just drink water or Topo Chico because I don't need that to be socially acceptable anymore. People know me that I don't drink, and so it's uh it became easy but the book was very helpful in saying, you know, just because everybody else does it doesn't mean that it's good. That's
0: really true and that book is again This Naked Mind by Annie Grace and when I read it it was really it really was life-changing for me and also understanding the whole, you know, you can choose to completely abstain for the rest of your life or you can have whatever relationship with alcohol you choose to have. But that's the biggest point of This Naked Mind is that you get to choose. You know, there are times that I go out, I had friends here this weekend, and one night I was the designated driver and didn't drink at all. And then one night I chose to, to have some drinks, and another friend was the designated driver that night. And it it it's all about choosing and knowing exactly how much you want to let it into your life and how much you don't.
1: I was going to say, along with the books, I've really thought a lot about coming in and talking to you and podcast, I listened to you and Melanie for years until you left. And then I switched over. When I first started intermittent fasting stories, I was like, oh, this isn't going to appeal to me. But now it's like my lifeblood. I go back to it anytime that I want to just reinforce what a wonderful thing intermittent fasting is. And so I love the stories. And I always encourage people, your story is there somewhere in those 200 episodes. You had a story that you're going to go, that sounds exactly like me. And so then I was in the Facebook group up until that changed. And then I signed up for a year of the community. And I was like, oh, I don't really need the community. I'm good. But I made a decision, as you know, and just recently bought the Lifetime membership because not only do I want to be able to go back and read other people's stories, but it's you serve as a servant to help other people when they. And so, you know, I I felt like this is such a critical piece of my lifestyle and who I am that if there's something I can offer that helps somebody else, I will always be that person and I will always want that. So that was why I did the lifetime membership. And I appreciate that so
0: much because what you just said is so important. It not it doesn't just help you. Like when people join the community, and you know they, they need support for themselves, you're also there supporting other people, whether you're having a hard day, whether something bad has happened, or whether everything is great, and whether you're celebrating something. And we also need experienced members like you, to tell the new people what's coming you know, to, or to encourage them. And if, if it's just me telling them stuff all day long, I mean, like they heard me say it before. They need to hear it from Vicki. They need to hear it from you know, <laughs> everybody else, you know, someone who's two months ahead of them. So I love that there are so many experienced intermittent fasters who have chosen to stay connected to the community. But it doesn't just help you when you're new. Like I am so much stronger in my intermittent fasting practice Now in 2023, because of guiding everybody else. It's like, sometimes I give myself the advice I would give somebody else. (laughs)
1: uh, Those are the tools that I've used and, and continue to use and would say is an important part of sharing. The reason I decided to finally do the podcast is because I did Whole30 this summer. And that was a big, big thing for me. It was the first time I had done a diet since I quit dieting, and my husband and I both did it, and it required a lot of cooking because if you're going to do that, you can hardly go out to eat, but I really felt the changes, and I felt the, you know, the no sugar, and it's a critical part of your life to start to feel. We, I think our culture and our system doesn't want us to feel anything except Good, good. Numbing the feelings with the food. And the numbing is, is huge. And so feeling, you don't have to feel pain, but to know what it feels like to feel good. My mom died of throat cancer and she was always overweight. And I was, one of the driving factors was, I don't ever want to be overweight like that, you know? And um, she came to me one day and it was like, I don't know, a month before she died. just really thin because the cancer was killing her. And uh, she had this beautiful yellow blouse on and some bangles on. And she said, stuck her arms out and said, if I had only known how good I would feel. And I was like, that's the problem. People don't know how good they can feel. And they think the way they feel today is the best they're going to feel every day. It's not the truth.
0: Well, what a bittersweet moment. She struggled with her weight and then dying of cancer. liked the way her body
1: felt that that really that brings it home doesn't it it was really impactful and it is it's critical that I don't know I can't say enough how worried I am for the medical system and what it says and does to people the insulin the diabetes you know we're just but you know what I want you to feel I, I want you to feel
0: hopeful here's why you went to those nurse practitioners and the first thing they said to you was do intermittent fasting. It is growing. You know, I've been around intermittent fasting in in the the groups since I before I started my first group, you know, 2014 and my first group that I started in 2015 and the way people's doctors talk to them then versus now. And I'm part of a a health and wellness community with health and wellness you know, podcasters and writers and you know influencers and a lot of doctors in there, and they all believe in the power of intermittent fasting. You've probably heard me talk about them, this group before. I went to my first event with the group in 2021, and when I first was was there, the, every person I asked about fa- or talked to about fasting said, "Yeah, but what about women?" But do you know since that time? no one is saying that anymore. That's not a question I get. Like, I just went to an event in New Orleans and not one person said, yeah, but what about women? Every person instead said, yeah, I'm, I do intermittent fasting too. So it's happening. We're doing it.
1: Yeah. And it also the whole idea of the bio-individuality, I see people struggle day in and day out with sharing. Like, It's worked for me. And that is something that I went through because I'm a proselytizer prespo- for sure. I'm like, oh, somebody's going to say to you, oh, my God, what are you doing to lose weight? And you tell them. And, and then they're like, oh, okay. And then, or you buy a book for them. And the reality is, is that I was so happy when I read Fast, Feast, and Repeat because it was, it was the Bible of fasting for me. And I felt comfortable to just say, you know what? I'm not taking responsibility for whether or not you do this and succeed. Get the book. I'm not going to buy it for you because I bought books for people and they just gave them to someone else. You know, well, I think it's more powerful when they buy their own book. It, You're right. It is. They have to make that decision. And whether it's alcohol or eating or whatever, those are not willpower decisions. They're mindset positions. Oh,
0: bravo. You know, the school teacher in me loves that. They're not willpower decisions. They're mindset decisions. That is true.
1: Yeah. And and that's my biggest takeaway from intermittent fasting is mindset, that Just believing that feeling good is important and and that it's just not that complicated. It's not complicated. Just don't eat. But, you know, I have a gazillion friends who I've talked to that have seen me go five years and not gain my weight back. And still, they're like, oh, that doesn't work for me, you know. Um, (laughs) If you travel,
0: you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. (laughs) That's O-V dot C-O-O-P.
1: Bert Herring book I was listening to you brought up the hypoglycemia. And uh, that is still, you still talk to somebody and they're like, oh, no, I can't. I get low blood sugar. <laughs> you know, there might That's be, true. There might be, but the chances are it's just that if you choose to stop eating, you will find a different you than you ever knew.
0: That's exactly right. And I'll tell you when I had hypoglycemia is when I was eating all day long and I was on that blood sugar roller coaster and I was going up and down and up and down. That's when I felt crashes.
1: Not now. I've said time and time again that our children, you talk about the the teaching and, and how that changed with regard to snacks. But like you go to a conference and it's like they don't make you sit for more than an hour and they're giving you snack bars and donuts and coffee with creamer and I mean, here's your lunch. And I mean, we shove food down people all the time. And it's not an easy decision to say, you know, I'm really not hungry and I don't eat till four. But it is easy if you get used to it. That's exactly right. Now, I want to circle back. I didn't ask you why.
0: You you talked about that you did Whole30 last summer. What was your motivation? Because, you know, Whole30 is a fabulous elimination protocol. Were you trying to figure out if there were some foods that didn't work well for you?
1: It it had to do with my husband. He had been to the doctor and was struggling with high A1C. And he and I both, we, we both play tennis. And so he had a lot of aches and pains. And I have some. And so we were like, let's see if we can, you know, feel a difference by taking some of these things out of our diet. So it was definitely for pain, inflammation, and to see whether we could get his sugar down that
0: is exactly the reason to do whole 30 so
1: you know some people are like I'm doing whole 30
0: again I'm gonna it's not a it's not wasn't designed to be a weight loss plan that you go on and off did you learn anything about foods and your body were, were, were anything' inflammatory for you that surprised you when you started
1: reintroducing things no not really the big demon is sugar you know there's so much sugar in everything I learned that I don't want my Salad dressings without sugar—that that's nasty. Uh, <laughs> that was not one I'm willing to give up forever. But mostly sugar. I didn't have any gluten. I'm I'm really kind of a just a plain old person when I don't have a lot of sensitivities to things. But my husband did come out of Whole 30 and decide that he was not going to add the sugar back in, and and he's done really well. My daughter has always been very thin, and she is a Health Net. She is undergoing right now an autoimmune protocol diet, and I don't know if you've ever looked at that, but that is like eating nothing. It's meat and green leafy veggies, and that's it. And it is a serious elimination diet to add things one at a time, and it's serious, serious. But she's got some serious autoimmune things going on, and most of what we probably are dealing with in the disease world is autoimmune, and you know. We, we pull cancer up as the big C, but honestly, autoimmune, it's the next biggie. And controlling diet, part of this intermittent fasting is getting control of your diet. You know, if if you do nothing else, I figure in my life, if I do nothing else but quit eating fast food, I've given myself a leg up. I mean, that's... Absolutely. A big
0: well, you know, I, I did um, whole food plant-based for 60 days and... Oh, did I, have you seen my, heard, seen my follow-up in the community about dairy? Uh, no, I don't think I have. Well, I was thinking that dairy, like I, was, I had the shoulder pain, then it went away, then it came back. And then it was, <laughs> so I've been experimenting to figure out if it's dairy, and I have figured out I do not. Think it was the dairy, because I when I traveled to this conference in New Orleans, I it was a whole week dairy free. And the, everything they served us was dairy free because that's they don't do dairy or gluten in this community. And sitting on the airplane, laying in the hotel room bed that was not like my bed, I figured out, I did do something to my shoulder and it has to do with when I spend a lot of time sitting on the sofa at this house versus at the other house. So it was not the dairy. So the dairy that was exciting to figure out.
1: That's a tricky subject as well because dairy straight from the cow is not what you buy in the grocery store.
0: Absolutely. It's very different.
1: Very different. And my daughter found some raw cheddar cheese that she can get at natural grocers or whatever that she can eat. But if she eats shredded cheese like you just buy at the regular grocery store, it makes her sick. So, you know, there is that. And then I think Bickman is the one that talks about Louis Pasteur and, and the decision to stick with pasteurization wasn't like to save our lives. I mean, originally it was, but in the end, it turned out to be more about my way is better than your way. But there is dairy is tricky because you can well for that matter most gluten free sensitive people can eat sourdough bread because it's fermented. Right, so I'm I'm not eating
0: as much dairy as I had been because I will say that whole the whole food ish plant based way of eating, you know my waist got even smaller. You know it really my body loves eating that way, but. I really love butter and I really love yeah it was hard to go out to eat you know I I got on my own nerves it was christmas eve we were out to eat with my family my mother and my uncle and Will and Chad and we were out to eat and my mother and my uncle you know, they were visiting they wanted to go to and we went to Bonefish Grill. So we're sitting there, and I, they had plenty of things I could eat. And I'm dipping my bread into the oil with pesto. I'm like, oh, I can't eat this because it's got Parmesan in it. And I'm like, wait, okay. Officially, I'm on my own nerves. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, never. I'm done with this. So, yeah, I, definitely- I don't do do well at restricting things. Just <laughs>
1: I'm that person, and I hate being that person when I go out to eat. <laughs> I know.
0: Exactly. So, you know, I'm eating all the things again. But I do know that whole food plant based, my body loves it. But my taste buds really love dairy. And I, it, it's not making my shoulder hurt, because I've experimented enough back and forth to know that wasn't it. So thank goodness. So the book that I need to find is the book Cured. Tell me again who the author of that was. Jeffrey Rediger, R-E-D-I-G-E-R-M-D.
1: It's a great read. Okay,
0: all right. I'll have to look for that one. So, you mentioned we haven't really talked about your schedule much. You do kind of stick to a nineteen-five still, but you adjust it based on your tennis. Is that right?
1: It's actually um, I have a four-hour window. Okay, and I stick to that pretty close, and and it's really easy for me because we eat early, and then my husband doesn't suffer with the late-night heartburn and stuff. So we eat four thirty, five o'clock every day. And by eight o'clock, I don't want to eat anymore and I don't. And so it's it's a really easy schedule when I'm on the tennis court. It makes it a little more complicated because I have to be eat and then be you know, done by the time I go out to play so that I work around that a little bit. But I'm really very, very flexible now in my life. I like the four to eight, but if it isn't four to eight, I don't lose any sleep over it.
0: Yeah, that's great. So you're, you're more like me. You're somebody who keeps the, the boundary of the eating window and slides it around instead of like counting the fast, right?
1: Right. Yeah, I couldn't tell you how long my fast is. That's way too complicated for me. I did. I'm the same way. <laughs> I used it in the beginning and I loved it. But yeah, no, the window is all that matters to me. I try to keep my window. It's, it's, like I said, it's easy because I plan to try to go to four and finish at eight, and then I don't keep up with anything else.
0: It's so much easier to keep track of your eating window than the fast. I just like I like just like you. I have no idea how long I've been fasting at this point. It doesn't even matter. Now I'm still fasted. We're recording. It's you know almost four thirty. I haven't eaten yet because I like to wait till after I podcast to eat. But when we're done, I'll open my window, and I don't know how long it's been. I could do the math if I wanted to, but it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is keeping the boundary of the eating window from stretching too long. And I actually don't even really count it anymore. But even when I do, when I feel like I've had a really long window, I'll go back and count it and it'll be like seven or
1: something. That feels really long now. Yeah, it feels like you've broken all the rules and you're like, oh, you know, it was just seven hours for gosh sakes. I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is there anything that you struggle with?
1: I just struggle with, because my family is so OCD about healthy food I struggle with eating junk food as in snack foods I love a bag of potato chips I cannot leave potato chips or trail mix or yogurt raisins I can't have voluminous amounts of those in my house because I'll just sit down and watch call the midwife until I eat them all up I love that show <laughs> There's a new season, isn't there? And I
0: haven't watched it yet.
1: I'm I'm, uh, only on season six. So I'm just kind of ranked, but it's great. But yeah, that's the only struggle that I have is just overeating my favorite snacky foods. Same thing.
0: And when you read appetite correction, or I have the, also have this in Fast Feast Repeat, it's because we don't have the off switch for those ultra processed foods. Like if you were eating carrots, you'd be like, I've had
1: enough. Yeah, but <laughs>
0: right. there is no off switch for potato chips.
1: Oh, no. Bean dip. I get it. God, I love bean dip so much. So I just try not to buy those things. But occasionally I buy them because denying myself anything is a recipe for disaster.
0: Ditto. Yeah. Absolutely. I totally get it. it. So we are almost out of time. The time just flies. I've loved visiting with you today. But what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting, or what do you wish you knew when you first started?
1: Well, I already said the part about mindset versus willpower. I really wish that someone had made it known to me or clear to me that it isn't that you're lazy or you don't have the willpower. That is not it. You have to fix your mindset, though. As long as you're still in a victim mode and believing that you can't do it or that you're being punished, you're not going to be successful. So you got to fix your mindset. It's not about your willpower. And I just think that the best thing anybody can do is to stay. People go to church to weekly up their religion, to have faith and to be surrounded by people who believe like they do, and to have leaders tell them, what is a good way to go. Your communities, your podcasts you know, whatever it is you choose, those will help you keep the faith. And I think it's hugely important. So surround yourself with people who are on the
0: same journey that you are. I I, I think that's important. You know, we see that in, you know, support groups are just so powerful. Who was I talking to? I can't remember. I was talking to someone recently about Something with a support group, and I use the wording peer to peer support group. And like that just nailed what our community is it's peer to peer support. And that really is the best kind, you know, because, you know, here I'm Jen, right? I mean, I can tell you things all day long, but, (laughs) you know, and I, I am very much a peer, by the way, but having others around you makes such a difference. You don't just want to hear from like experts. You want to hear from peers, people who have been through it. So that's find yourself a peer to peer support community, wherever that is. Of course, you know, I would love it if it was with us. Go to jenstevens.com slash community. It's a great place to be, but wherever you can find support, find it. Yes, I do. Well, Vicki, it has been a true pleasure to talk to you today. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you, Jen. I loved it. at resonaterecordings.com Intermittent Fasting stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast
1: Welcome to Pura the most pristine safe climate stable city on earth a haven amidst the wreckage here